Welcome to the Impact Show. Beyond training, beyond practice, this is the podcast for strength and conditioning coaches, sport coaches, personal trainers, and sports fitness entrepreneurs who want to increase the impact they have on the people around them. And now, here's your host, coach, author, and entrepreneur, Jim Kilbasso. Welcome back to the Impact Show. I'm Jim Kilbasso, and thanks for joining us on this journey of making an impact on the people that we interact with on a daily basis. I've got a special episode today because instead of just me talking or me having one guest, I have three guests all on the line at the same exact time. Um, a lot of times we have people on who are um, doing different, different interesting things in the industry, and this is going to be one of those things. And it's something that uh, they're doing some things that are similar to IYCA, except um, in a different market, I'd say, in, in many ways. And these guys, what I really like about them is um, they are as big of meatheads as anyone that I know. Um, <laughs> Oh, see, they're already laughing. Um, but in, and when I say meatheads, I mean that in a 100% positive way. They love lifting. They love strength and conditioning. Um, they love talking about it. They love teaching it and educating other people and doing things the right way. You may have heard of these guys' podcast called the called Power Athlete Radio, um, which is an awesome podcast, a little bit different than other podcasts that you may have heard in the past because it's very conversational and pretty funny as well as educational. Um, so on the line with me right now, I've got John Wellborn, Tex McQuicken, and Luke Summers from Power Athlete Radio. Guys, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having us. What's going on? This is Luke. I'm the I'm the good looking and funny one, medium sized. John, oversized XL, uh, and I'm more the sarcastic, witty one. <laughs> is that what it is? Yeah, I'm, I'm not very funny, but I am sarcastic. And Tex, you're what? Keen bean. You're putty. We already covered this. Oh, you're putty, putty from Seinfeld. <laughs> Jim, thanks for the kind words. I would never have described our podcast that way. Um, you know, well, I just it waste is the pre- a- it, It's the premier podcast in strength. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, and you can tell right now. So anybody listening to this right now, you can't see these three meatheads. Um, but, <laughs> but, but you can already tell. Like, this is what their podcast is like. They just start talking, and they make jokes, and they poke fun at each other. And it's very entertaining. And I have a feeling that this is kind of what their day is like almost every day. Is this kind of what you guys do on a daily basis? Uh, yeah, John usually lets us talk more than he does on the podcast, though. Like, you know, usually on our podcast, we just try to interject real quick. And then he's already talking on, you know, some sort of Rodney Dangerfield story or the last time he went on a, a tour with Nickelback or I don't or know. Sometime at that time, he got a samurai sword. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's some weird stuff. I like, lived a definitely I like an interesting life. In, I like when he told us about getting his truck stuck in like a ditch full of mud or water or something. Oh, like yeah. That. And the which, guy came which in. Which weekend? Like, that's got to be you and Roth in Tampa. Oh, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's what that it was. One. Roth ended up, I think he got uh, fired from USA Swim for that story. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> we were just some young well, go-harts just having a good time trying to splash big puddles in Tampa. Hey, sometimes you got to try stuff. Yeah, I know. So, uh, quick background on you guys. Um, I'll let you guys tell a little bit about what you do, but one thing that I want to make sure that everybody understands is um, that when you go to some of the power athlete stuff, uh, at first glance, it looks very CrossFit-ish. 
And that's because you guys have a CrossFit place. Um, but I would not call you guys typical CrossFitters. Um, there's a lot more technique and education involved with you guys than I've seen at other, in other places. And I think that that's a little bit of, um, maybe I'm generalizing right now, but you know, there's, there's such a huge range of, uh, I guess, quality in the CrossFit world. And it's hard to tell one place from another or one group from another. And I think you guys have done a great job of separating yourselves as doing some different things. You've created different programs that are, um, I wouldn't even consider them CrossFit anymore. That just say I wouldn't that consider them CrossFit at all. <laughs> yeah. 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 They're just strength and conditioning. Yeah. Um, and you happen to do it um, in a CrossFit box sometimes, but sometimes not. So it's very unique. I would say um, one of you guys, you know, real quick, kind of give us your background because all three of you have very, very unique and different backgrounds. Um, I could start. My name is John Wellborn. Um, how to get my start in this deal? Uh, started lifting weights when I was 14 years old. Played high school football. Uh, ended up getting a scholarship to go to UC Berkeley, where I played football as well. Graduated from Berkeley with a rhetoric degree, and then also did a master's in education, and then got drafted to go uh, play in this little thing called the NFL which I proceeded to do for the next 10 years of my life. Uh, played for the Eagles, Chiefs, and the Patriots. Uh, 100-plus career starts, 10 playoff appearances, Luke. And uh, played on two of the best offensive lines in NFL history. Uh, one at the Philadelphia Eagles and um, then with the uh, Kansas City Chiefs, you know, blocking for you know, Priest Holmes and Larry Johnson and Tony Gonzalez and those guys. Pretty good deal. So um, ended up playing 2008 in uh, New England, got hurt and retired in 2009, at which point – uh, and here's where the CrossFit deal comes in. I got approached by CrossFit to help them develop a sports-specific training program using CrossFit methodology. Um, I had always done, uh, you know, high-intensity type movements. I'd always done constantly varied, and I'd always done uh, metabolic conditioning as every other football player on the planet has. And, uh, you know, being fairly adept and, and interested in performance, I had the luxury of training with some of the best people on the planet. Uh, so when I retired and got hit up by CrossFit about designing a – Almost, a, uh, you know, how do you translate a strength conditioning program based on performance in, the, in a way that people that are doing CrossFit could understand? So we ended up uh, calling it CrossFit football, uh, not because we taught any blocking or tackling, but because I played football. Uh, we you know, launched a website day one in 2009 with 17,000 hits the first day, and I proceeded to teach a global seminar, um, you know, literally traveling to every country on the planet, teaching this, uh, you know, sports-specific type seminar for athletes and really for power athletes. And through those travels, um, I met, you know, Chris over here, Tex, and also met Luke as a seminar attendees. And from that whole process, uh, really CrossFit football evolved into power athlete, which is my company. And it just was, uh, you know, kind of a different vein. And I ended up getting an email asking for a strength conditioning program, not necessarily translated into CrossFit. So at which point we started launching programming and uh, really just started working with performance-based athletes uh, through the military. I taught seminars for Naval Special Warfare twice a month for a couple of years, worked with uh, Olympic athletes, college professional, um, have worked with just about every different type of athlete on the planet, uh, CrossFit Games athletes that are competing this weekend as well. And uh, just really evolved into creating um, a training system kind of steeped in not only performance, uh, no bullshit, and really just uh, circled around 
uh, really performance technologies. So we w- went into this market of, no- of online delivery with Train Heroic and just helping people develop fitness and training technologies to help them you know, more efficiently train. Uh, and you know, like you said, it evolved into you know Power Athlete Radio, which is our weekly podcast, which you know has a good sense of humor. But we, I believe, if you stack up our uh, alum in terms of guests that we've had, I believe it's some of the best in the business. And uh, um, we'll, Jim, of which you were one of them. Yes, as you of know. course. You know, you've been on Power Athlete Radio. It's a very, very. Uh, it's a prestigious. Group. Yeah, it's prestigious. You know, there's a prestige to it that is unmatched. Yes. Maybe only by like Joe Rogan. Uh, no, I think we got him. Um, so, uh, you know, and now it's really kind of gone past. And I think when we taught that seminar for CrossFit for a number of years, we realized that people coming out of the CrossFit deal uh, weren't educated to the level at which we needed them to be. So seeing the shortcomings there, we developed the Power Athlete Methodology, which is an online course that culminates with our in-person block one, which is our really our entrance into becoming a Power Athlete Certified Coach. Um, and, you know, that's what we've been doing for the last bunch of years. And uh, surprisingly, uh, Chris over here, Tex, uh, was actually at my seminar in Oakland in 2009. Number five. Number five. Young, you know, young budding strength coach. Uh, wanted to learn more, somehow found us and showed up, um, you know, spent every dollar he can, hitchhiked. I think he pretty much begged for anything he could to get there and showed up and really absorbed it and went back and started using it. And then Luke, we taught at a seminar in uh, Napierville, um, which is right next to Naperville. The Paris of the Midwest. (laughs) And uh, I remember Luke because he, uh, during my nutrition talk, he got up and hit me with a interesting question that I didn't necessarily have an answer for. So... Um, I'm the first one to say, if I don't know something, I'll tell you, I don't know, but give me five minutes. I'm going to call somebody and and get the proper information. Uh, whereas many seminars and many people you meet will never admit that they don't know something and then they'll just make a bullshit. Um, whereas, you know what, I have no problem admitting that I don't know something. So what stepped outside called, uh, my lifeline, Matt Lalonde came back and answered his question. And, uh, at which point, a um, couple, geez, almost six, eight months later, a year later, Luke was moved out to California and was working for me. So um, I did own a CrossFit gym for a number of years. Uh, and then when I realized that I really wasn't into helping people, uh, you know, civilian, normal, everyday soccer moms and people develop constantly varied functional movements performed at high intensity, I decided to sell it and go full time into really developing power athlete and do what I, I imagine it can be. So that's, that's me in a nutshell. Well, you pretty much covered you pretty much covered the other two guys too. So <laughs> no, I'll, I'll uh, let them talk. They got a great story. Uh, well, before before well, we sorry, go, go though, uh, Tex, um, you know, the, basically, John, your explanation of everything that you did is one reason that I wanted to have you guys on the Impact Show because everything we talk about usually there is an impact that people are making on some sort of a community. And the IYCA is mainly geared towards trainers working with younger athletes. Um, you guys are making a huge impact on uh, on the CrossFit world, or you did, because that was your audience initially, and I think you guys did uh, did that whole that whole world a, a huge service by helping them further their education and think about things in a more in depth way than just what what are you doing? Well, uh, I really look at my big contrib- uh, contribution as. Um I was really the first one to drop a periodized strength conditioning template into a CrossFit methodology. 
So before us, uh, it was one workout a day, and you would rotate. Yeah. I mean, strength was treated as the same as all yeah, the other things. It was like once elements. every 10 days, you hit strength, and yeah. then it was monostructural, and then gymnastics, and let, you know, there, there was a an attempt at periodization back then, you know what I mean? But it was like, it was still about constantly varied. Yeah. So when I came in, I took a, you know, a legitimately periodized strength conditioning, you know, strength template and dropped them in with a sub 15 minute short, heavy, hard Metcons, very similar to the training that I had done with Todd Rice when I was at UC Berkeley. We had always come in and, um, you know, snatch, clean and jerk, heavy squat, heavy press, and done a lot of heavy barbell movements, done a lot of plyometric sprint and done metabolic conditioning workouts in the form of like some of the Nebraska circuits. And so when I came and when I first uh, was invited to go to the CrossFit seminar, I could understand what they were attacking, you know, the glycolytic engine and really understand about developing this type of metabolic pathway. Uh, the problem is, is that if you uh, don't develop your base level strength, it's really hard to progress in other ways. So strength is a platform at which everything's built. And when they asked me to do the program uh, for the sports-specific athlete, it was very easy to take a lot of the different strength templates that I've used and also different pieces like, uh, you know, using basic linear progressions for amateur athletes. Um, you know, I was never a huge fan of percentages. Uh, so really, uh, I had really kind of gravitated towards doing rep maxes and then basically doing a lot of compensatory acceleration speed type work based off of percentages of those rep maxes. So almost like looking at like a daily matrix and brought a lot of those principles to the CrossFit community. And now there isn't probably a single CrossFit that you can walk into that does not have some form of dedicated strength program. So I like to believe that that influence uh, from those early days has really set a, a tone and gotten people on, uh, on the right path for it. So, uh, you know, I believe we have a great contribution in that way. Absolutely. And, and indirectly, I don't know how much you've thought about it, but indirectly that has not just impacted a lot of different CrossFit gyms, but all the people now that are getting, I would say, um, more of a training program versus an exercise program. And that's a, you know, that has impacted a lot of people. It's made a, it's made a big difference probably to a lot of people. Um, and, and, you know, I appreciate that very much. So, and I'm sure a lot of people out there didn't really even realize that because CrossFit kind of the name CrossFit just gets thrown around and people, um, will go off of the, the, the worst case scenario and say like, oh, well, CrossFit is this or CrossFit is that. But um, I think you were kind of a renegade in the sense that you you went into CrossFit and said, okay, well, I'm going to do CrossFit, but we can, you can call it whatever you want, but this is different. And because of your pedigree and the fact that they came to you, um, it was it's kind of cool that they accepted it because if someone else would have come into CrossFit and said, you know, hey, let me do this for you because your stuff sucks. It, it, you know, the, the heels would have been dug in. Nobody was going to listen to it. Um, so it's, you know, I don't know that this could have possibly even happened without, you know, all these pieces of the puzzle falling in, into place. And with you being open-minded to CrossFit enough to say, Hey, sure, I'll work with you, but I'm going to change some things. So well, uh, it's, it's like, um, you know, it, the biggest problem I've seen in strength conditioning, especially, uh, you know, with the NSCA and the different organizations, is everybody wants to preach the converted. Everybody wants to show up to a seminar or a, a conference with everybody else that's already bought into the same methodology, and they want to sit around and, you know, as I joke on the, uh, what was it, off of Blazing Saddles, where it's like, harumph, 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 and everybody harumphs, <laughs> and they all agree, and everything's good, and, and it's really just preaching to the converted, whereas uh, I think to really make a difference, you have to go out and find people 
and that aren't necessarily doing what you're doing and then present them, show them, teach them, go on the road and beat people over the head until they start to understand. And that's what we did. We went out. I mean, we were missionaries in those early days, you know, going in and I've taught seminars from the Arctic Circle to New Zealand and back and really convincing people that the, the application, the way that they were training while it had merit uh, could be arranged in a different way that would have a greater, more potent effect. Mm-hmm. And showing people that, uh, you know, uh, the idea of training for fitness is not necessarily going to translate to performance on the field. And that if you want to be successful, whether it be on the pitch, on the field, on the ice, on the court, whatever it is, you're going to have to develop, you know, a, a, a big engine through strength and speed and power, you know, GPP. And then you're going to have to develop and, and really uh, progress into that SPP. And all the training in the weight room is never going to really, uh, you know, pay the dividends you can unless you go out and you practice and you compete in your sport. And, uh, you know, really making that distinction and showing people that, you know, here's the game plan. And you're right. I mean, playing 10 years in the NFL uh, carries a big stick and really, uh, you know, makes people listen because it just there isn't a lot of people that have done it. And then especially can get up and talk intelligently about what they've done. Most athletes, as you know, just I don't know, they just put the ball in my hand and I could go. I couldn't tell you why I could do these things. But for me, um, being fairly analytical, I could sit back and listen. And I also had the opportunity to train with the world's best. And I was smart enough to ask hey, why are we doing this? Not because I'm questioning anything, but because I'm generally interested in what we're doing here. And from you know the early days of uh, training with George Zangas to working with Todd Rice and you know, Rafael Ruiz and different people from you know, uh, you know, Charlie Francis and different ones that were influenced upon me, I was able to create a pretty good training program that was successful for me to do my job for a long, long time. So when I stepped yeah. back, it was easy for me to hand people this or show people, but uh, it took a lot of explaining. Because unfortunately, people would ask me, hey, what did you do? And I remember somebody asking me that very question. I'm like, well, I can tell you what I did, but what I did isn't going to help you. And they said, why not? I said, because one, you're not me. You don't have the training experience. You don't have the history. You don't have the genetics I have. You have to train for who you are. And then I got into this whole deal about training life cycle, that, the, that there's this, um, this, this life, just really this uh, uh, you know, block of time that you have under the barbell training that you have to really match it up within those times that if you follow a program, it's too advanced too early, it'll blunt your progress. If you are too basic when all of a sudden you get too advanced or you become a more advanced athlete, you're not going to continue to drive adaptation. So where power athlete really differentiated is we started training people specific on where they were within their training life cycle. And, um, I just had never heard people really talk about that, especially in, um, you know, classical strength conditioning like we were dealing with. Well, I mean, and that's that's another big difference between you and a lot of other, now I'll say not strength coaches, but football players, because like you said, people would come up to you and say, what did you do? Or, you know, how did you do it? Most people would be inclined to just say, well, here's what I did. Yeah. Isn't, yeah. isn't that a battle you're fighting with the, the IYCA? Uh, high school level coaches taking what they did in college and then applying it to their kids, even though it's not the appropriate time? We're, we're very similar. Um, like what you were saying, John, uh, we are out there trying to, yeah, we're pre- preaching to our, to the choir sometimes because those people are on our, are in the community, but we are trying real hard to educate people who aren't necessarily you know, bought into what we're doing. So yeah, trying to change perspective. Right. And that's where the magic, yeah. like that's, you need to, you need to have your shit together. If you're going to change perspective on somebody who's, who's wed to an idea, whether it's dogmatic or what, you know, it's, 
Well, it could be ego. And I think what we've done, um, you know, not to toot our own horn, what I think we've done really well on these two guys sitting next to me and all the coaches that work for us is uh, by going out into the CrossFit community that has one set of ideals and showing up and presenting a different take and a different spin and a whole different methodology and then having people convert to that because they see the merit in it, uh, you know, and to do that in two days, fly in and go out and teach that. These guys are rock stars and we've had to do that for a number of years. That's kind of where we have this banter and we're funny and, you know, everybody just collects because it's on because we've been forced to do that, to walk into a gym and, you know, eight in the morning on a Saturday morning with 40 people that are, uh, you know, there to learn, but also so steeped in what they've done because they've seen results and they're, you know, they're holding mm-hmm. on to this thing. And then here we are for the next two days, we're going to convince you that what you're doing isn't necessarily wrong, but here, take this different approach. And if you need to use it for this specific function of sports specifics or of uh, training sport field athletes, this is how I want you to skin it. And uh, some people really, um, you know, fight it and they don't want to let go because this is what they believe. And then other people give over to it and they see phenomenal results. So, uh, you know, uh, it, it's easy to sit on the forums or, you know, show up to a conference, like you said, preaching the choir. But when you start going out there and trying to kick the door in and, and uh, really change people's thoughts and ideologies and methods and all these different, uh, you know, preconceived notions, that's where I think really it becomes interesting. And that's where we've been the power of power athlete. No yeah. Intended. Well, I've, I've done it many times and it, <laughs> it is very difficult and it does take a thick skin. But you mentioned how awesome these other two guys are. So, who the heck are these two guys? Tex, why don't you go first, and then Luke will save best for last. Well, best for last. I'll hit this quick. Uh, you wouldn't understand, Tex. So best looking, right? D3 <laughs> lacrosse player from Texas, and that should sum, sum it up pretty well because the state is not known for its lacrosse players. Uh, so grew up lifting weights, playing football, and running as fast as I could. Uh, didn't have the size, as these guys have joked earlier, to go on to the next level, but I still – uh, was a leader, was a winner, and wanted to play college sport at the next level. So uh, picked up a lacrosse stick and then took that to the East Coast. And I assumed, based off all of my other boys that are going to play college ball, I would walk into a weight room and a college strength and conditioning program, coach, anything. And I got nothing. I walked into a fitness center with no squat rack. But all I knew was run as fast as I can, lift weights, and play my sport. So I took that attitude into – uh, the program, and that's that's how I found success as not a very skilled lacrosse player. But uh, again, you just got to be an athlete on the field and then use your head as a weapon. So uh, found success for four years and earned the respect of the coach and the team to become a grad assistant coach. But I was recruiting kids that had an intuition and a, a knowledge of the game that I still couldn't comprehend. So I, I felt uh, lacking and limiting, but stay in my wheelhouse, what do I know? lift weights, run as fast as I could. So I took on the strength and conditioning responsibilities uh, as a grad assistant coach. Uh, From there, my first training session with the team, I took my former teammates, still my friends, and now my athletes, and we didn't have a weight room, so how do I press overhead, kick into a handstand? I asked the team to do this, and one of my friends, he falls down. He tore his rotator cuff, kicking up into a handstand, and I cost him his senior year. So it was at that moment, that point, I realized I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. So I have to find someone who does. Uh, this is September 2009. I got on the internet, found Wellborn, and essentially the course that he was teaching, cross football at the time, and invested all I had. The next one was December 2009. I was, I was really bad Coast. at uh, I was really bad at booking them. Yeah, but and then the next one was March you know, on the East Coast. <laughs> so I was in season. I couldn't go. So I just spend everything to fly out to Cali and sit there for um, two days and my first true exposure to strength and conditioning. And not what the old ball coach gave us, right? 
and not playing in college and asking and emailing with my friends that are playing at Texas for their program, right? Madden's program at the time, but that wasn't built for a 5'8 freaking lacrosse player, right? It was built for some stallions. So misapplying a program for sure for four years. Um, so that was my first true exposure to what we teach, essential principles, movement patterns, and specific looking at an athlete, assessing them, and giving them what they need, attacking what is preventing them from, from succeeding on the field. Uh, from there, I applied it for three years at a D3 school, then realized I'm a hell of a better strength coach than I ever would be a lacrosse coach, so jumped over to, to, to Georgetown University across the river from my school and started teaching for John on weekends, kept in touch. Uh, from there, just traveled the world. I've been a part of uh, many different intern curriculums, kind of jumping to even University of Texas and and uh, hitting some egos, hitting some ceilings in the collegiate strength and conditioning field. But um, essentially what I found is just keep pursuing knowledge and create an alternative, right? Instead of being that homesick, underpaid, unappreciated intern, uh, I invested in an understanding. I went to John, John mentioned Rafael Ruiz. Uh, so I went down again, broke as, broke as anything, went to Tampa Bay to finally understand movement uh, versus battling you know, beliefs, feelings, and egos. I just wanted to understand. So from there, it's uh, breaking down what John discovered the hard way playing 10 years in the NFL, 100 career starts, right? 10 playoff appearances. Mm-hmm. <laughs> o- over 100 and, and career starts. So. Over 100 career starts. And then putting it into a system uh, that we can uh, just break down, and that's where we have developed a, like an online full curriculum so not just a two-day course a full curriculum uh, but it was you know just failing a lot and then create that alternative which um, you know and we've we've been at the cscca and i love going to those events because now i don't have an authority right i don't have a freaking uh, a college on my chest to try to puff around and show off it's let's talk training let's break this down and then actually have a formal conversation versus trying or uh, you know, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Seeking logos, seek somebody out. It's it's not like that. Let's just talk, have a good time, and um, you know, that, that's that's where I'm at. I love where I'm at. Just um, you know, seeking to understand versus just trying to impress anybody. And we had some good Mexican food. Oh, absolutely. Thank you, by the way. <laughs> and and you know something else. Before we got on here, you said that you were bigger than me, and then you just said you were five eight. You can't be five eight because I'm definitely taller than five eight. Well, five eight two oh five. Yeah, you're big. Yeah, okay. I don't weigh two oh five, but you're not five eight, are you? No, he's not five eight. What do you mean? You're at five, least uh, five six. I, th- I thought you were like five oh. five and a half. Well, I'm t- with boots on. I saw. <gasps> oh, that's height. I guess the reason he ro- he rocks the quad. That's right. Tex Tex inch, always measures inch and a half. <laughs> boot height. Oh, with this. Uh, no, height. I know why. High school football program. <laughs> So, you know, yeah, Luke's 6'5 in his uh, high school no, no, football six program. No, no, six two two fifty, bro. Yeah, four three forty. Uh huh. Hey, I appreciate it, and that was we did have a good time at the CCA. Uh, it was it was cool getting to know you a little bit. Um, all right, so we saved we saved Luke for last. Hit us. I, I guess. I mean, I don't know. I'm just a guy. Uh, I grew up playing multi sports, but football was my bag. Uh, started playing in third grade. Uh, pretty successful through high school. State champ, Tex. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, in Actually, Naperville, I don't played at Naperville Central, and that was my first exposure to real strength and conditioning. We didn't have a centralized school program. Everybody kind of went private. 
right? And the guy that I got linked up with was, was pretty sharp, not sharp, and I'll, I'll circle back to him, but uh, developed a neck condition through high school and I guess just a life of youth pop warner football called hypolordosis, right? So the cervical spine was actually curving the wrong way and started bruising my brainstem on high impact uh, anterior contact, right? And hit a neurologist at uh, Northwestern and he said that I had to hang up the pads and that was my senior year. Um, went back multiple visits and said there is potential to rehab. So did some physical therapy, regained that curve in the cervical spine, but the scar tissue or swelling developed around that brainstem uh, didn't subside. And it, I tried to play in college, but ended up having similar symptoms, which would be basically blacking out for 10 seconds, 10 minutes, but continuing kind of have motor patterning and playing. And it was just scary shit. Uh, I didn't fucking know. I was an 18 year old kid. I don't know anything. But so ended up not playing sports in college, so just started banging weights. And then that led to triathlons after college. Graduated mm -hmm. with math and computer science. And I'm not built for triathlons. I'm built like a T-Rex and I sink like a rock. But I didn't know any better. And this is 2005 maybe, 2006. And, uh, you know, I, got, I had a corporate gig at the time and I was walking around with my little medal that everybody fucking gets after the Accenture Triathlon in Chicago, oh. thinking I'm a, you know, bad motherfucker. And then a guy comes up to me and is like, hey, you think you're, you think you're in good shape? You got to try CrossFit. So what I do? I kicked down the door and went and tried CrossFit before Reebok, before Nanos, before all this stuff in the back of this weird bike shop called Sammy's Bike Shop in St. Charles, Illinois. And I loved it. Like, I, I don't know what it was about it. I loved it. And I got into it. And uh, a CrossFit gym opened up right down the street from me where I ended up just basically being there from open to close. And then guy there gave me a coaching opportunity at that gym. Uh, this had to be 2007, maybe 2008, 2007, and uh, still had my corporate gig and it was coaching at a CrossFit gym. So doing kind of double duty and dude, I thought I had it all figured out. Right. And I was all over like the two CrossFit forums that existed back then. Um, and, you know, putting people through the ringer, following everything. I could, just trying to be a sponge within the CrossFit world and uh, CrossFit football popped up. And started following that program, and it took me back to how I used to train when I was in high school, right? When I was first exposed to this guy named R.W. Brown out of the Academy of Human Performance. And uh, long story short, get to a CrossFit football seminar, and like John and the crew pulled back the curtains on everything I thought I knew. Like I thought I knew, and I realized like I had lied to myself. I don't know. It, it was just something that it made me realize like, what are you fucking around with? Like there's a, the said principle resonated with me very well. Cause I just recently, I was after college, I started playing uh, some competitive flag football and it was about that time when I was getting really fit and really shredded that I started to get becoming outrun and overpowered. Right. So there's something that Tex and I have talked about. I'm like, it's not aligning. I'm f fit. Right. In the, the vernacular of, the CrossFit world, but I'm, I'm being out, like people are outperforming me. What's up? Took this seminar to figure it out. And it just kind of opened my eyes. And fortunately two months, three months after, uh, I saw this seminar and had my mind blown. John put a post on his blog. Talk to me, Johnny, something along the lines of, Hey, if you want, uh, I need some help running my gym in California. If you want shitty pay and to work real shitty hours, let me know. So I let him know that I was ready to do that. Some shit in the corporate world was just wasn't it wasn't shaken out for me. I wasn't built for it. 
So packed up my dog, packed up my girlfriend, sold my house, drove across the country, started working at John's CrossFit gym, which was unlike any of the other gyms I had dropped in, my buddy's gyms, the gym I worked at. I mean, it was a well-oiled machine. It was proper programming, proper training, proper coaching, not just cheerleading, right? And then made my way to seminar staff. We kicked off Power Athlete HQ. That was back in the CrossFit football days when Power Athlete was just a sparkle in everybody's eyes. And um, when that took full, you know, got rooted and took uh, took hold in 2013, 2012. Uh, summer 2013, yeah. official. Right. Um, I knew it was the track that I wanted to go. We had kind of, we had a crew back then and each person on, on the team wanted three different, you know, we each wanted three different things. Callie was big on CrossFit football. Uh, Benny was big at CrossFit Balboa. Balboa. And I was like, power athlete, let's go. And uh, so we each kind of got our own baton and ran with it. And, you know, John was on his ivory tower handing out life lessons and telling us everything we were doing wrong. And that brought us to this podcast today. So <laughs> here I am, I guess, you know, uh, Tex and I have compared and contrast stories on many times, you know, he's coming from it from a coaching angle. I'm an athlete kind of turned, uh, coach and just enthusiast, you know, and, and John's the one who's achieved the highest of, of any of us and working on the, the largest competitive stage. And, you know, our job is to go around and truly just open eyes. Cause I've been there. I've been those people, you know what I mean, Jim? I've like had it all figured out, but then I've been converted. And I remember that day, like, like it was yesterday. So that's kind of the mission, you know, and it's, it's putting out the, it was no bullshit. You know, you didn't get any money from me once you walked away from that seminar and converted me, John. So it's like, we were truly out there almost for like the good of just, Hey, let's get shit aligned. Let's do things right. Let's, Let's make sure that the kids that you're coaching are going to be put in the best position to succeed and outperform and, and last. Always for the athletes. Athletes first. Well, I mean, it's um, it's not overly complex. Like, uh, you know, like train range, uh, full range of motion movements. Understand good movement. I mean, I want you to be a good mover before we start loading intensity and volume. Uh, you know, and then at the end of the day, uh, training is a really long road. I mean, ironically, the name of my blog is It's a Long Road because training is a long road. And the problem is, is, uh, you know, people want everything now, today with now. this, you know, iPhone generation, I think as a coach, you have to explain to your athletes. Like I, um, I'm helping a guy with his ACL rehab right now. And he was like, oh, you know, I feel great. I want to jump back in and do this. And I told him like, first of all, take a deep breath, pull your fucking head out of your ass. And like, give yourself a chance to heal up. You said surgery three weeks ago. Like now, all of a sudden, you want to jump in. I'm like, take it slow. If we can take it slow and follow the game plan, because everybody wants to deviate. And I, I did this. I mean, I remember, uh, you know, 14 years old, walking into a weight room, getting handed a program that was way too advanced for me, and uh, not being able to do it. So what do we do? We just maxed out every day. Yeah. Yeah. Just maxed out every day. And when I couldn't get the weight then they were like hey throw this belt on so then i got the weight with the belt and then when i couldn't get the belt with or weight with the belt they were like hey throw these knee wraps on and then when i couldn't get it with the knee wraps they were like don't squat so deep <laughs> and then they like said that? i swear to god they were like just don't go yeah, down text, so far. it's called coaching yeah <laughs> have you ever heard of it and then when i couldn't and then when i uh, uh couldn't get up because i wasn't going as deep then they told me to look up violently throw my head back and then use momentum to drive up mm. and it's like dude like just stop like 
well, you know, but, but it, 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 it's like there is a training, like light, like progression, like there is like this life cycle and this, um, you know, life deal of, of training where you have to go through these different steps of maturation that, you know, as a beginner, you train with a beginner program and, you know, you don't take a step until you master not only uh, the movement, you've done enough reps so that, you know, myelination and you understand, you know, motor programming and your body knows uh, specifically what, you know, what it's supposed to do under load. And then you think about, you know, folding the metal and developing tensile strength and all these things that happen at this, like, minute amount of time and progress. And it just takes time because there's no way to, 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 to hyper jump it. And, uh, you know, and your job as a coach is almost to tell the kids, like, dude, relax. Like, we're going to get there. We don't have to be there today or tomorrow, but we're eventually going to get there. Follow the plan. And that's what happens. You know, people are so, uh, you know, ADD within their training that if this isn't working today, I'm going to throw it out because this and this, and, uh, it just doesn't work. And I think, um, you know, me having done that as a young age and followed and done all these stupid things, um, I still got to the NFL. So I always laugh. Like if I could go back in time, I could have made the experience so much more rich, so much better and I could have literally prevented so many injuries and stupid things from happening and probably could have done so much better uh, if I had had just a little bit of guidance. But the problem is, um, you know, I was, I was you know, young, I was dumb, I didn't want to listen to anybody. And, um, you know, just, yeah. I mean, so it just, uh, I think what we're really trying to do is prevent the pitfalls. It's almost like I can see what's happening and I know what these people are doing and I'm like, don't do that. Just listen. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm going to save you a world of hurt and I'm going to make your athletes the best they can be on the planet. Just listen to me and, you know, empty your cup. I had a seminar one time and this guy came in and he thought he knew everything. And I just took him outside and I'm like, dude, why are you here, man? Your cup's full. I can't put anything in your cup if you don't empty it. And he's like, you know, got insulted. Like, what are you talking about? I'm like, you're not a Bruce Lee fan? And he's like, well, yeah, yeah. like what do you mean? And I, I literally took a cup and I'm like, empty this sucker. If I, if, if I want to, to, to pour my drink into your drink and your cup is full, what happens? It overflows. Same with knowledge. Empty your cup, go in there, and let me fill it up with this information. And uh, that was a great thing. And at that point, it became kind of a little mantra for us teaching the seminar. Like, hey, guys, you know, empty your cup. Like, we're going to fill it up. We're going to put as much as we can, sometimes with a fire hose. And, uh, but you have to be ready to learn. And I think people, that's a big thing, man. Like, um, people have to be ready to learn and they have to be in a place where they're, you know, receptive to new information that if you know everything, then, and we would do back in the day, we used to walk in with people that had every answer and literally convincing them was like trying to kick their chest in. And, uh, we did it. And, um, now I just, you know, I'm, I'm not going to fight. I'm not going to argue with people. I'm going to present the information. And if you're not at the point in your life where you're going to be receptive, then you know what? Come see me in a couple of years after you've hurt, after you've injured, after you've messed up your athletes because you think you know everything. So, well, your your story right there is what what it really reminded me of is how important timing is, and who then is your influencer, or who are your influencers? Because if you were only five ten, you would probably have stopped. You know, after those guys were telling you, oh, just don't squat as deep and put the wraps on and all that kind of stuff and and just, you know, doing everything wrong, you would have stopped there and not had the rest of the experiences that you had, you know, with all these other great coaches who influenced you. And it's possible that you would have been going around town, you know, for the rest of your life telling everybody to do the same thing. But because you you were lucky enough to, 
you know, be awesome at football, then you got to experience awesome people who then influenced you and allowed you to go out and do these other things. Um, unfortunately, most people in the world don't have the genetics and the ability that you had. So they get stuck in these holes. The, you know, wh whoever taught them how to, you know, do their deadlift and squat when they were in high school, maybe that's as far as they go and everything else is, you know, uh, I saw an internet video or something. And it's just, it's amazing the number of things that came together in your life to then, you know, you, first of all, you had to be open-minded, but then you had the right people in place to teach you these things. And because of those people and because you were open-minded and had all these things in place, you're then able to teach other people because, um, you know, from, from, pe from, uh, coming from somebody like, like me, like everybody who went to, went to college for this and got a master's degree and did all these, you know, all the, the formal traditional studies, we would look at other, you know, a lot of people would, would look at, at people who don't have that and say, well, they don't know anything. You know, like you can't, you, you guys can't know anything because, you know, you didn't go to school for this, but if you're open-minded enough and you have the right influences and the right people teaching you, it doesn't matter what you went to school for necessarily. You can learn it from the right people. Um, how do you know when you're learning from the right people though, versus somebody you just like and who is charismatic and who is loud and um, makes you feel like it's the right thing? Because God, think about what, I mean, this would have happened probably to you, John, if you know you were open-minded, you had these great experiences. If you would have gotten to college and um, Berkeley had hired some moron as a strength coach and taught you worse stuff than you learned in high school, you would have just naturally thought, well, this is the right stuff. I mean, this well, is like, there's, there's a huge hired. difference. Um, one is, uh, and I've, I've told these guys a million times, anybody's ever heard me talk is, um, first of all, ego is a dangerous thing. It's killed more people than cancer. So mm. just relax the ego, but you got to have a lot of pride about you. The other thing is I've always said I'm a performance whore. So I don't really care. Uh, I'm not obsessed with the numbers. It doesn't make any difference. Like, you know, when they say, Hey, what did the guy bench? What does he squat? I mean, I squatted, you know, six ten when I was 19 benched 500 when I was 21. I mean, I was always naturally strong. But at the end of the day, there wasn't a single person asked me what I benched or squat when I walked on the football field. So yeah. my only indication were whether or not the training was good or bad was whether it allowed me to win on Saturday or Sunday. So mm -hmm. if the training I did allowed me to be better than the next guy, then the training was good. And that was my only uh, performance matrix. Am I a better football player? Because at the end of the day, all I cared about was winning. I just wanted to be the best. I don't like to lose. And if the training that you're having me do is making me a worse football player and I'm not seeing the success that I think I need, then I need to either go somewhere else and figure something out or I'm going to tell you this ain't working for me. And mm -hmm. uh, I think a lot of people get stuck in the dogma. But for me, um, I'm not romanced into the training. The training is just a vehicle for performance. And so uh, being you know, fairly analytical and open-minded, I would always ask, like, okay, how does this all fit? Like um, I've told these guys a story that uh, when I was 20, 21 – um, all the guys I was training with all wanted to bench 500 pounds. So we had these West Side videos. And I remember we were watching up in the coach's office, we're watching the West Side VHSs. And at the end, the number flashes up. And it's like, call West Side Barbell. So we picked up the coach's phone and I call and Louis Simmons picks up the phone. And first question, hey Louis, I'm a football player here at Cal and I want to bench 500 pounds. What do I got to do? I just watched your video. And so Louis laid me out a program and I benched 500 pounds. 
And like that was, you know, and people were like, what are we doing? I'm like, dude, I, just, I talked to this kind of crazy dude in Columbus and we watched this video. And, uh, and the hilarious part is years later, I become friends with Lou and I recount the story to him. And he's like, God, I think I remember that. And I'm like, how many people have called up and asked Louis Simmons, can you design him a program? And he did. And he talked to me about Max Effort. And it just so happened that the old power lifter that I trained with in high school was a guy named George Zangus, who was a contemporary of Louis and invented the super suits and the wraps and marathon nutrition. So he knew, you know, George for a number of years. They were great friends. George had one of his original reverse hypers. So, um, you know, the fact that George had talked about Louis Simmons was, you know, hey, if, if Louis can tell me bench out of bench 500, I'm a bench 500, and I ended up doing it. And so for me, though, what was interesting was a bench 500 pounds, and it did not actually translate into me being a better football player. Yeah, I was wondering what you were going to say. Which was pretty funny. And then all of a sudden, uh, we get a new head coach, a guy named Steve Mariucci, comes in and he brings in Todd Rice. And I remember Todd Rice uh, coming in and, you know, as classic, a Olympic lifting performance based. I mean, as far on the other side as what we've been doing, came in and he was like, I'm going to show you why everything you've been doing is wrong. And for me, I'm like, perfect. You know, I mean, it was kind of tough to the ego. I mean, here's this guy and, you know, I'd been a starter. I was strong, big, you know, you know, you know, potentially going to go play in the NFL. And I have this guy walk in and tell me everything I've been doing is wrong. Let me show you. And uh, all we had, he had me do was an isometric hold off of a GHD. Actually, we didn't even have a GHD. It was off a bench. He's like, all I want you to do is do, uh, you know, a timed isometric hold back extension. And um, I, I went up and I think I was like six seconds. And he's like... Uh, somebody of your size and strength that I'd expect to go play in the NFL should be able to hold this position for a minimum of 60 seconds, more like three minutes. Mm -hmm. And at that point, he's like, I don't want you to bench anymore. I don't want you to back squat. So I front squatted, I pressed, I snatched, I cleaned, and I just did everything. And uh, the thing which was, you know, they say when the, when the student's ready, the master appears. Um, I had worked so hard to bench 500 pounds. It didn't translate into me being a better football player that I thought, shit, if – if I've already chased down this strength and I've already done all this and now I can go and do this different program and he was talking about speed and being dynamic and explosive and power and he wasn't using the word strength. He was just using like, hey, you know, your ability to generate force and to drive force in the ground. And he really took me down a different path, at which point I just gave over and I ended up, um, you know, clean jerking 172 and a half. I front squatted 500. Um, you know, I, you know, I pressed 315. And uh, I would leave there and go to the RFC, which was the uh, student rec center, and that's when I would bench. And I still benched 500 pounds that year. And I remember him being like, see, you don't need to bench to be able to bench 500. And I'm like, yeah, I just go bench three days a week when you don't see me. <laughs> um, and then I come in and I play as a senior. Um, I get drafted in the fourth round. I come in and I start as a rookie in the NFL. And uh, really that was uh, a big um, you know, understanding for me to, you know, how I trained. And then I went into a hammer strength, a pure high intensity hammer strength program. And oddly I got stronger doing that because it was such a different stimulus. But mm -hmm. at the end of the season, I knew that if I continued to do that high intensity hammer strength program, my NFL career would be very, very short. So I had to go find somebody that was saying a lot of the same things that Todd had said, but I needed somebody that would, you know, allow me to be stronger, more explosive, stable, strong, uh, you know, in terms of like, uh, uh, you know, trunk stability and just uh, a better mover. Um, I was already, you know, one of the strongest guys uh, on our team. You know, I could move big weights. I could, you know, if somebody was in front of me, I could hit them. But in the NFL, it's, uh, you know, strong guys 
you know, are a dime in the dozen. It's the guys that can move in space and how they position and bend and just a lot of the things that I, that I wanted to be. And I uh, went down to Tampa and met a guy named Rafael Ruiz, and I proceeded to train with Rafael for the most of my NFL career. And those were the things. I mean, I remember uh, day one, he had some TheraBand and a PVC and about killed me with some hurdles. And I thought to myself, if, um, if this part is lacking, if I can't do this stuff, then if I'm able to do these things, I will be better. And the next year I went back and, um, you know, and crushed it. Within a couple of years, I was one of the top rated guards on the national uh, report. And, um, you know, and then went to the Kansas City Chiefs and played and just was at the top of my game for a number of years. And then when I couldn't do it, it was time to go and do something else. But um, I had developed this training history and just had so many, so much influence and knowledge. And um, you know, just being fairly analytical and well-read, I was always interested in what we were doing, why we were doing it, how it, you know, how it necessarily worked. I just wasn't okay with just okay, just do, just I'll, I'll do what you tell me. I'm going to do what you tell me, but I, I, I want to know just for my own knowledge, so that if somebody asks me why we're doing it, I can actually recount it. And then when CrossFit hit me up, I was like, I can tell you what I did, but I guarantee what I did is not what you guys need. And but I had enough where for all to reach out and start understanding you know, how people need to attack their training at which different point. And it just kind of culminated in what we're doing today. Yeah. The, what you just said at the end is like almost sums up your entire story right there, at least in my mind, when you said what people need at a certain point, because you needed different things at, a, at certain points in your career. And what you needed may be different than what the guy that was playing next to you needed. You were already strong. So you needed to move better. If, if the guy next to you moved you know, super well, but was weak, then he needed to be doing, you know, something completely different than what you were doing to get better. The, most of the kids that, you know, that we end up working with that are younger, I mean, they all need very basic things. You know, they don't need, um, they, they all need to learn how to move. They all need to learn how to get stronger. They need to learn um, how to work. You know, they, they need some pretty basic things to get to the point where they can start making decisions on, you know, oh, I need to train this way or I need to train that way. They need it all, at, but at a very basic, basic level. And um, I think, you know, the story that you just told is, you know, you probably wish you could go back and learn the basics before you started adding weight to everything and, and worrying about that because who knows, you know, you may be, you may have been like, you can't be, like you said, who knows what, where the story may have taken you after that or, um, well, I'll, I'll tell you this. If, if, if I hadn't had those different trials and tribulations, um, I don't think I could have uh, been able to speak intelligently. I think um, my old neighbor here in Texas is kind of an interesting guy and has been pretty impactful in a short amount of time on us since we moved out here. But he always tells me, I mean, my, my dad forever told me that if, uh, if you have to make every mistake and, and you can't learn from others' mistakes, you're going to have a painful life. And so mm -hmm. I've always tried to reach out and talk to people and get information and like try to make educated decisions so I don't have to make every mistake. My neighbor is the exact opposite. He's like, I don't <laughs> learn until I make the mistake. And the bigger the mistake, the more I've learned. And there isn't a single thing anybody's ever told me that's been impactful. The, my best learning tool has been me fucking shit up. And he literally like... Like you can ask Tex, we were uh, we were trying to unload a forklift yesterday off a trailer that was, I mean, it was a complete nightmare. And I was arguing with the old man. I'm like, this isn't how we should do it. And he was like, no, this is how we're doing it. And uh, I would have punched him in his face yesterday. I was pissed. But uh, we get it done. And he's like, you know what? I've been doing this for over 30 years. And he goes, I've, uh, you know, his amount of uh, experience in terms of breaking and doing and just doing this type of stuff with equipment and work and everything. And that's why I always tell him, I'm like, yo, man, at the end of the day, that's why I defer to you because... 
this isn't what I've done. Uh, you know, I'll always take somebody, you know, this is what I think, but at the end of the day, experience is going to trump everything. And, uh, that's so true. I think for what we do here at power athlete is, um, I'm not sitting it behind a desk. Uh, I'm, you know, I mean, I've read every book you can imagine. Um, you know, I've talked to everybody, but at the end of the day, I had to actually take my training and use it and test it against the best on the planet and know exactly how good or bad it was and whether or not it was successful and what I did was right. And there's been situations that's happened in my life where all of a sudden I've done something and my life's flashed before my eyes and I thought to myself, well, I fucked that one up. And then those mistakes have allowed me to go back and regroup. But at the end of the day, uh, the thing when people ask me about this program, this thing isn't theoretical. These are things that we've used. This is things that we've handed out. And for the most part, we've given the programming away for a number of years for free. So I've had you know thousands of people do our training program for almost a decade, and the data points that we've gotten back are almost damn near identical. Um, you know, I've had you know had people do our program in the Arctic Circle, like I said, down in New Zealand, Australia, all over Africa, Asia, everywhere, and everybody that we've met has had a very very similar story. And so when all of a sudden you put out a free program, almost like a, you know, a great sea monkey experiment, you put it out there and everybody gets a similar response, all of a sudden you have to take a step back and realize like, hey, these are, uh, these are principles that we know to be true because we've you know, tested them within huge cross-sections. We've not de dealt with just three or four, maybe 10 people within the lab, but you're talking about asking people to follow a program very, very specifically and then come back and give us status points. And then we went out and met them. We traveled the world and met these people and every one of these guys has the exact same experience. So uh, that was a very good way for me to not only test my theories and my ideas, but to find them out in real time in a faster way. So when people ask us like, you know, do you think this stuff works? I'm like, I know this stuff works. The only reason it's not working is because you're not following it. And if you follow it today, you're going to, you know, you, let's get on the train. And, um, you know, if you follow it and you're consistent, uh, everything works, seems to work very, very well. Well, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious why you guys are on this show. You know, you're making a big impact through a lot of things that you're doing. And you've learned a lot from each other, from your own experiences. Um, and now you're sharing it. And it's, and it's really awesome. I know that you guys have, uh, you know, you've got the Power Athlete Radio podcast that people can tune into. Um, you've got your power athlete methodology course, um, that, that people could, could jump into. And you also were telling me earlier that you've got, uh, you've got a conference coming up in December. Why you tell us a little bit more about that before we go? Uh, yeah, sure. I'm, I guess I'm the, the guy doing my best to plan it. It's called the power athlete symposium. Um, it's going to be out here in Austin, Texas. We're in the process of building a pretty killer facility, uh, and uh, we're going to have three-day speaker event. It's going to be 12 speakers, a few practical sessions at our gym that we're putting together. And, uh, you know, everything everything that we're collecting through this, because there's some registration fees, there's going to be a silent auction, there's going to be some fundraising type stuff, is going to our charity, our 501c3 charity called Wade's Army, which is uh, uh, dedicated to leading the fight against neuroblastoma, which is pediatric cancer. So... Um, in short, you know, we're going to have a mixture of speakers. There's going to be coaches. Uh, there's going to be, I get, I don't know, doctors. Uh, I say that with, with thinking about Dr. Tom Incladon out of, uh, uh, Cosenta in Arizona. I mean, we're going to be talking everything that empowers performance. And that's ultimately our objective is to take an athlete or a coach or the enthusiast who comes to this thing and they're going to walk away 
empowered to do something, to make a change for the better. And, and these are folks that we vetted, you know, they're, um, not that we're like the authority of what's right and wrong, but you know, we have a pretty, pretty good beat on, on what works and mostly through John's experiences, Texas experiences out there in the wild. So, you know, there, it's going to be a really cool event and, uh, and I'm super stoked for it. And, and it's really going to be almost like a, a, a housewarming party for getting the gym up and yeah, running, yeah, right? Yeah, no, it's really so. an opening day. I mean, yeah, we, we moved out here to Austin, Texas, uh, right around the end of the year. And so we've been working on building a new facility and uh, really just getting set up and getting rocking. So we're pretty excited for mm-hmm. it. So, so where would people go? In, uh, is there a website that you Yeah, yeah, great question. Uh, powerathletehq.com slash symposium. And that's where uh, oh. that's where the registration is. We're going to be announcing the speaker list over the next few weeks. Uh, if you're a Facebook guy or gal, uh, there is a Facebook event. Just search Power Athlete Symposium. Or if you're an Instagram guy or gal, uh, you know, amidst all of our hilarious memes and nonsensical videos that we drop, uh, there's going to be some information there about speakers, registration, schedules, things like that. So you, I think if you just throw Power Athlete into the Google, you'll find us. Perfect. Well, really appreciate having you guys on the show. And uh, you know, hopefully people will look that up and get to the symposium and check all your stuff out. Awesome. Thanks, Jim. Thank you, Jim. Thank you for listening to The Impact Show. We're glad you're joining us on this journey of making an impact on the people around you. Please visit us at jimkilbasso.com for more information and ideas to increase your impact. And of course, we hope you subscribe to our podcast to enjoy more tips, stories, and advice from our industry's leaders.